Over the course of his 70-plus-year career, Ed Asner has simultaneously established himself as one of the most legendary actors alive while championing social and charitable causes. Ed was born in Kansas City, Missouri, attended the University of Chicago, and served in the U.S. Army Signal Corps, appearing in plays put on for the troops as they toured around Europe. After the war, Asner joined the Playwrights Theater Company in Chicago, but left for New York City before members of that company regrouped as the Compass Players in the mid-1950s, a company that included Mike Nichols, Elaine May, and Del Close, and eventually developed into Second City. Asner came back to guest star frequently on Second City stage, but also developed his acting career by appearing in plays and later unforgettable characters in influential television shows that include The Untouchables, playing Lou Grant in both the long-running Mary Tyler Moore show and Lou Grant, as the slave ship captain Thomas Davies in Roots, Santa Claus and Elf, Carl Fredrickson in the animated film Up, and most recently he can be seen in Netflix's new series, Dead to Me. Among Asner's numerous awards and nominations were five Golden Globe Awards, seven Emmys, and a SAG Lifetime Achievement Award. His legacy of service includes two terms as president of the Screen Actors Guild and the Ed Asner Family Center, whose mission is to promote self-confidence in differently abled individuals and bring balance and wellness to those individuals and their families. Ed is a beloved member of the improvisation community, having worked with Paul Sills, David Shepard, and Rolf Forsberg. His prolific career as an actor and activist is a legacy to the yes and philosophy of improvisation. Well, hi, Ed. Hi, we, uh We met in Naples, Florida on March 16th this year, and Patrick Ziegler brought you to the Unity Church of Naples, and my dear friend Michael Golding gave me your contact and said maybe you'd do a podcast, so welcome today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be involved in this effort. Oh, wonderful, and I love your politics, and we'll talk more about those later, okay? <laughs> Especially love them. I have ticks. I have ticks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a tick. Let me know if it's showing, okay? All right. Oh, I see it. Okay. I see it. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the Ed Asner Family Center, how it came to be, and what you're doing there, and just everything you can tell me about it. Well, you want to you want No, to I want... He's he's the best spokesman. He's <laughs> well, he's the most mellifluous. The uh, the Edesner Family Center was was uh, founded by my <clears throat> wife and I, Nava, uh, and we have uh, we have three children on the spectrum. Um, three chil three children. Yes, three children. We have six children all together and three children on the spectrum. So um, we, uh, you know, it was always my intention uh, to be able to honor my father's name somehow. And um, I really wanted to kind of, you know, he's always been such a champion for people uh, with autism uh, and with, with any kind of uh, disability. Uh, actually, I would say he's, he's been a champion for anyone who's an underdog. Um, That's a wide spectrum. That is a wide spectrum. No pun intended. And uh, 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 I'm, I'm certainly not that productive. Okay. But I think 
I think that um, the important thing we wanted to do was to create a space uh, where people could go, where they could kind of get all the things they needed. Uh, model it after a community center uh, and give them an opportunity to have arts and vocational enrichment, to give them self-confidence in life. Uh, and, uh, and at the same time, uh, their entire family can uh, seek uh, mental health services at the center. We just uh, formed a partnership with CSUN uh, and they're going to train all of our therapists. Uh, oh, she's to in Orlando, so Cal State Northridge. Right, right. State University of Northridge, uh, and they're going to provide all of our therapists with extensive training through Sarita Friedman, uh, and uh, we're going to have a an amazing place where people can go for mental health uh, for mental health services uh, and arts and vocational enrichment. Aren't I lucky to have such a son? You are, and a daughter who helps with it, as well as I think you have another daughter who's a mental health professional. Yeah, and I'm a social worker psychotherapist from New York and an improvisational actor teacher with ch with children on the spectrum. Well, you know, you know uh, what's, what's important is in my discussions with him through the years, um, we've talked a lot about the arts and um, what they did for him in his life. Um, and I asked him once, I asked him, what would you be doing if you weren't doing, if you weren't acting? And he looked at me very seriously and said, the alternative is too horrible to think about. And it's true. And if you think about it, it's true. He, he would have been probably relegated to some sort of secondary position in his family business, which was a, a steel yard, a junkyard, a steel, what would you call it? Junkyard. Junkyard. And um, scrap iron and metal, or or something else, uh, or he would have worked in an auto plant, you know, for and fifty years. That would not have been horrible. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have been horrible, but it would have been a very different life for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, so the arts kind of saved his life, and I think the arts kind of taught him how to communicate with people and to present himself in public, and it, it created a world for him that allowed him to thrive in. And I really, we really believe that the arts are a key into the soul, into the personality, into the person. My greatest achievement. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, Matt. I think that the arts, whether it's uh, drawing, painting, sculpting, acting, improv, all of it contributes to giving self-confidence, ability to take risks, self-esteem, and communication. And, and, and being in a group like where there's... There's no right or wrong. Everything you do, we accept, and we love it. Exactly. And think about it. I mean, it, it, it can help in other areas of life. It can help in a job interview or uh, in just walking down the street and interacting with people. It helps a lawyer. It helps It helps a, a salesman, naturally, learning how to act. Right. And yeah. I, I, I've been an actor and a musician, and, and sometimes it, it's the most therapeutic thing in the world to... Uh, to uh, to be uh, to be am I am I too far over? okay? It, it, sometimes it's the most therapeutic thing in the world to be able to step into someone else's skin and uh, and be someone else and find yourself that way. Right. You're looking at Marlon Brando right now. <laughs> oh. It's beautiful, and Liza is so beautiful too. So I'm so excited about the beginning of this center because I'm hoping you'll bring one. We can open one up in Naples, Florida. And uh, 
I've got more actors and teachers, and I'd love to be have a center here. That would be fantastic because the population is so unserved. I agree, and that's the plan. The plan is to eventually have these across the country, maybe throughout the world. Um, that's the plan. I mean, we've got a lot of work to do to get there, but uh, you know, we're just we're literally just opening the doors for the first location on July 8th. We have the location. We're doing uh, work on it right now. We're figuring it out, fixing it up. Um, and uh, so that'll be open in July 8th. But we've had camps already. We've, we've been able to, to uh, have two very successful camps. And one of the great things about our camps, um, other than we do a lot of scholarships, is that a lot of the, 50% of the instructors at our camps um, are people with, with, who are autistic. Oh, lovely. So there's an amazing modeling aspect to what's going on there. And it's it's great. It's it's really wonderful to see people come in the first day of camp and see these people that are like them uh, for the most part. And uh, and and they can look at them and, and think, I can do this. I can be successful like this. Yeah. This is a great thing. And so to, to give that to people is a wonderful thing. My, my other son is Charlie, and he's autistic. He's 31, still looking for a job, somebody who trusts him enough to entrust him with the duties of a job. He hasn't been successful yet, but he's a wonderful, charming person, as long as he can control some of his instincts. And that's where the problem with uh, autism essentially lies, curbing your instincts allowing other participation into your life, contributing, but not hogging. That's... Being your own editor. Yeah. yeah. So you, so when Charlie was first diagnosed, that was a, a long time ago, basically, in terms of what we know with autism today. Yeah. Was it difficult, Ed, for you to find resources? Well, my, my then wife, uh, Cindy, uh, did, did a great job of researching and seeking. And uh, uh, most of the time I was concerned that uh, I was letting him fall under her influence too much rather than uh, knowing how secure the advisors were. Most of the time I was wrong. Uh, and... Uh, uh, my distrust was not warranted. Um, but uh, you still have to be careful of who you rely on. You have to test the field. I agree. So Camp Ed was successful. And did you visit Camp Ed, Matt? Were you there? W was I there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my wife ran, runs Camp okay. Ed. She's the brains and the beauty behind Camp Ed. Uh, Nava, and, and she does an incredible job. Um, I actually uh, was amazed by what she's done with camp. Um, so for her to step in and, 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 and do that, it really gave, gave us something to visualize the rest of what we're going to do. So um, it was a huge stepping stone in what we're doing. Uh, and, she, and she's lucky. Uh, uh, two of her kids, at least, uh, I know of, are high-functioning. Yeah. And that, that makes the job a lot easier. Yeah, but the camp, the camp is not just for high-functioning individuals. No, no. The camp is for everyone. Uh, and we had a wide spectrum of individuals at camp. He, he visited camp. Oh, 
great. He was different. He did an improv class with the kids. Well, and I worked. I worked, worked. Yeah, you were the bus driver, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, it was it was it was very special, very special. And and the you know we'll have it again this summer. It starts in July, July eighth. It starts. And I think, you know, you know, it's going to be in our own location this time. Uh, we rented space last time. Uh, so it's going to be even bigger and better this time. Are you married? <laughs> uh, I'm on number two. How about uh -huh. you? That was a segue. Uh -huh. That was a segue. <laughs> and how is number two? He's doing okay. Okay. But that, that was before I met you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. no, I can understand that. Thank you. Uh, you know, one thing I was going to go back to about the population and the parents. So many parents don't have the resources you've been blessed with. And so helping those families especially is so vital, I think, because they're lost. And, and of course, then when the t kids turn 18, there's no more services available. I, I agree with you. And, and I think... Uh you know, and that's why the center was born, really. I mean, the center was born out of, you know, um, both of us being in the community and going through our own experiences and seeing what everyone else is going through and, and building something that can address the needs of most of those people, or not, not all of them, but most of them, uh, and to create something special that people can, can believe in. And, and hopefully, one day, hopefully one day take for granted. A typical example of what occurred recently my son was uh, um, supposed to go with a group, I don't know how many were in the group, maybe three or four, uh, to the movie. And um, uh, they went to an earlier uh, time for the movie, and he bought, had bought tickets for a later time. He blew his stack. He was vehement. He was violent. And uh, anybody else would have been alienated, I think, because they were on the spectrum. Uh, uh, he was given a reprieve, allowed time. And, and a little thing like that, a conflict in timing, mm -hmm. can just blow the world apart. So, Absolutely. So thank God. Uh, uh, they learn their own form of self-government. Right. Self-regulation is so important. And the structure of improv games is beautiful that way. It's a team effort. So I especially love improvisation. I heard you say you weren't an improviser once. Did I hear that incorrectly? That I was an improviser that once? That you were not an improviser. Oh, that's, that's true. We use it as a tool, but it was not solely invested in improvisation. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna get to some of that later. But the upcoming Ed Poker Ed Ed Asner Poker Tournament is coming up. Oh, it is. <laughs> this Saturday. I've greased my thumbs already. Yeah. I haven't been practicing at all. I've, I've got to spend some nights practicing. Well, you're lucky, so you don't have to worry. That's true. Well, you have some wonderful people being there and donating. Uh, donating is going to be uh, tremendous for the center. I'm so happy to see you having it this year. It works. Thank you. It works. We're excited. It's going to be bigger and better this year. We've got um, about 300, 400 people coming. 
to uh, to play, uh, including some some celebrities that uh, you know that you can see on the website. Don Cheadle's going to play with us. Uh, Sean Astin, um, Elizabeth Perkins. Sean Astin. I just said Sean Astin. I just said John. No. Uh, Sean. Sean. And then, uh, and it's going to be great. We're excited. It's wonderful. So. Ed, I have I have seen so many interviews of you. I don't know how many interviews you've done in your life, but a lot. You're so generous with your time. So I want to tell you what I, I, I just love you so much, number one. That hug, is, the warmth of your hug is still with me. And I, I heard you say somewhere that there was a one character you would still like to play, and you said this was a few years ago that the one do you remember this at all the one, is there a character you'd still like to play today i i can't i can't recall what i said santa claus oh you've no. done that he's done that no casanova oh oh i was i was i was cozying up to you <laughs> He, he doesn't have to play Casanova. He is Casanova. <laughs> <laughs> so I love The Grouchy Historian. Oh, I, I think it's a beautiful book. I've been posting it on my Facebook and stuff for people to read it. And it's very inspiring. It's not only funny, but it's accurate. I trust all of the facts in that book. Can you, can you share a little bit about the experience of working on that book? Well, I was totally dominated by Ed Weinberger, and we worked together, and he used my celebrity to expedite the publication of the book, and uh, uh, I am in total agreement with whatever thoughts are expressed in the book, and uh, I, I feel it was a necessary message to the people, and uh, the response has been wonderful. It's terrific, and it's very funny as well. Now, Mr. Weinberger wrote your show, uh, A Man and His Prostate. Uh, you've done FDR, and there's some other ones you've done as well, touring the entire country. Yeah. Well, it's been fatiguing, I'll tell you. I just finished a five-week tour, and uh, just weeding your way through the clothes is a sad enough option. But uh, I was exhausted, and I'm still exhausted. So I, I don't have the pep you would like to see in me. Oh, I think you're peppy enough. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I just spoke with Carol Sills about a week ago. How is she? She's great. She's right. wonderful. She's wonderful. And she spoke so fondly of you. And she said when the first time Paul Sills saw you act... He said you were the most brilliant. I don't know what it was. It was in Chicago. He said you were the most brilliant actor. He was so moved by it. Really? Yeah. Well, I wonder what it was, would have been. Murder in the Cathedral. Murder in the Cathedral. Oh, that's right. Murder in the Cathedral. I forgot. I know that. Murder in the Cathedral. Right. And, and you played Thomas Beckett? Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great play. Great play. Beautiful. So... Your entire history is fascinating. And Carol told me, though, that uh, you had two daughters that used to play together at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forget what she Yeah, but which one? Rachel. Rachel? Rachel? I think yeah. so, yeah. 
She's a beauty. It's wonderful. The, all the sisters are terrific. Great family. So, yeah. so you were at the Playwright Theater um, in the early days in Chicago. Right. And can you share some memories of that at all? Well, it was, it was beautiful. We lived in the theater. It had alcoves surrounding it. It had been a Chinese restaurant before we took over. We, uh, we didn't charge admission. We charged membership fees. So whenever you came to the theater, you paid your dues. And that avoided the city restrictions for a couple of years. And they found out and closed us down. <clears throat> but uh, there was not a lot, there wasn't much theater anywhere in the country, for that matter. Uh, but uh, Chicago has been a birthplace for a lot of great theater. And uh, at times, I think, uh, there are more productions going on in Chicago than New York. But, the theater uh, production? Yeah. Um, we, uh, we built up an audience. We um, provided avant-garde theater, Brecht, uh, uh, the leader, our own uh, playwrights, David Shepard, Paul Sills, um, and um, we garnered some of the nicest actors, Zora Alton, Lampert, um, Bernie Piven, Joyce Piven, um, Martin Nichols, Elaine May, uh, Alex, uh, what was Alex's last name? Greek name. Huh? Was it Greek, last name? Greek? No, no, no. I can't remember what his last name was. And he was instrumental to me. But anyway, uh, uh, it was a uh, communal feeding ground. And uh, we grew upon each other. Lee Henry, Bob Kidd, uh, both valuable people. Um, the uh, Rolf Forsberg. Right. The good name. Did you know Rolf? No, I know of him, certainly, uh, yeah. And um, I disappointed him with my version of Shakuntala. Uh, but, uh, well, you win some, you lose some. Uh, but uh, we had critics who loved us. Uh, we had Herman Kogan of the Sun-Times and uh, Sidney Harris of the Daily News. And uh, for the most part, we could do no wrong with them. We, uh, we introduced theater to Chicago. Sip, uh, we alienated uh, Claudia Cassidy, who reviewed us the first time before I joined the group with uh, Caucasian Chalk Circle. And um, her review said that, uh, ended up by saying that playwrights and she walked on different political sides of the streets. So I guess we were too, um, too red for Claudia. <laughs> Detmer of the Sun of the uh, Journal American uh, stated um, he didn't like our politics either. 
But we had Harris and we had Kogan, and they were two gems. There's so much more I'd like to ask you about. My producer's giving me a sign, but I want to talk about your political activism when you were president of SAG and the courageous leadership you showed with SAG. And I don't know how courageous I was. Oh, no? Um, I, uh, I didn't betray my heart, if that's what you mean. I pursued what I could. And oftentimes, I must tell you, when you're president of an organization like that, you can sometimes find that the you know, your friends are a bigger pain in the ass than your enemies. So trying to satisfy the world is not easy. Well, you've been quote uh, a friend quoted you quoted said about you that you were a visionary leader in the union movement. Isn't that oh. a nice accolade? Who said that? Uh, Paul Boulet. Paul Boul. I don't know. B U H L E. Yeah, I, I know that. I know I've heard that name, but I. Visionary, and and some of the other work you've done, the documentary that you made with Paul Newman about the Holocaust. Yeah. What a great body of work you've done. I mean, I know Mary Tyler Moore. People know you from that, and. It was a wonderful experience. I've heard you speak on it. But the other body of work that you've created, Mr. Asner, is just fantastic. It's just so beautiful. Thank um, you. Really, I, I wondered if you had... I, I, I was just watching Roots again recently, and um, I wonder if you have a favorite role. You know, you will be, of course, getting the Academy Award for Casanova, but um, I wondered <laughs> <laughs> if you had a favorite role that you've played. Rich man, poor man. Axel Jordash. Yeah, I, I can never deny the excellence of being Lou Grant. Beautiful. And I'm so grateful. And I know you're tired and you've come back and you're unpacking and all of that. And maybe someday we can speak again. I'm so appreciative of your time, Ed. My door is always open to you. My windows are too. Oh, well, I'm getting my ticket now. <laughs> I love you, respect you, and thank you for what you've contributed to our country and beyond. God loves you. God loves you. If there is a God, I hope he loves you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye, darling. Bye-bye. Goodness.